I want to just take a moment and say thank you uh, to this awesome uh, ministerial staff that I have on the platform with me. Julia, our worship leader, I thank God for you. You have such a heart for the Lord and for worship, and we sense it every Sunday. Thank you so much. Let's give her a big hand while we're at it, huh? John Conti is part of the River Kids ministry team. Susan is doing so many things this morning. He volunteered to, to, to represent River Kids today. John, you've invested, you and Sylvia both, many years to the younger generation. And it's the heart of God, the heart of a father. Thank you so much for doing that. John Carmichael, you are a, a, a man hungry for God. And we love that about you. We love your influence on our young people and on us. Welcome again to Living Waters Church. We're so glad you're here. Dolores is our pastoral care uh, lead in our church. She uh, is the one that is, can, can text and call and, uh, and, and cook all at the same time. She can just multitask in serving others and serving us. You've done this for many years. Thank you, Dolores. Let's give her a big hand. Uh, Fred Bates uh, has kind of had an unusual uh, a week this week because this man has just retired from 30, 33, 33 and a half years of military service. And we are uh, just, you know, thank you, Fred, for serving and keeping our country, our families, our neighborhoods safe, uh, serving both abroad and here in the States and in Kentucky. We're grateful for that and believe that God has many blessings. Let's, let's speak it, Lord, many blessings over Fred and Beth and family in this, this transition uh, out of retirement of military, but new open doors of, of ministry and impact and fruitfulness in their lives. We we believe that in you, Fred and Beth, and believe this is a good season and for you of, of more fruitfulness in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. <laughs> Pastor Philip Elder, my right-hand man, the one on staff that's been here longer than anyone else. You're our foundation from the staff. You know everything about ministry here. We're so indebted to you. Thank you. Uh, for today and all the details that you put together here and your team and his wife Susan Whitehead has been busy bee all week to get the uh, uh, the fellowship hall ready and all of those events details let's give them both a big hand wow just tremendous all right I'm going to step aside and let this begin There's so many different things. Um, the intergenerational congregation, first of all, but not just to say that there's the older, the younger, and the this and the that, but the way that they're all connected. Living Waters does a fantastic job as a body as uh, putting those together. Um, it's like coming home every time you walk through the doors. And I don't mean home like in a place where you grew up. I mean home 
like this is the best thing this side of heaven when you walk through those doors and you put your hands around people and hug on them and um and i love the fact that living waters has a a proud uh, association with with israel and they proclaim it and they stand by it and and not too many places do that at least not openly um so those those are the big things right there for me for sure watching the student ministry uh, grow. Um, the kids' ministry is great, but watching now the student ministry go from an every other Wednesday kind of thing, now it's an every Wednesday. Uh, great new pastor, um, loves the kids, loves the youth, um, so that's exciting for me. easiest answer to that are the, the three T's, the time, talent, and treasure. Um, wherever the Lord sees fit to place me, um, I just want to say yes to that, um, honoring with my time, whatever talents that he's gifted me with, to wherever he sees fit to put them, um, and obviously with whatever monetary blessings, it's all his anyway. So it's easy for me to give back to it. Um, all in. Absolutely, all in. We're going to be talking about investing in people today, and uh, there goes my time. Woo! Okay. When it comes to worship and investing in people, the thing that stands out the most for me is living a lifestyle of worship, and it's about choosing which master to serve. I'm reminded of the song by the distant Jewish relative of King David, the psalmist, and his name is Bob Dylan. <coughs> and the song is, you got to serve somebody. And just, just for context, this is how a little of that goes. You may be the ambassador to England or France. You might like to gamble. You might like to dance. But you know you got to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you got to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you know you got to serve somebody. <laughs> I think that deserves an applause, yeah. And where the, <laughs> where the heck is my mother? I get five minutes a year, and she's not in here. All right, she's going to hear about that. Uh, but in all seriousness, <laughs> each one of us has tendencies to follow after other masters besides the Lord, and all of these masters can be categorized under the three things mentioned in 1 John 2.16. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Each of these false gods is a taskmaster that demands our times and our affections, our bodies, our passions, our habits, and sometimes even our souls. And yet they are never satisfied with our level of commitment. They constantly crave and demand more from us, and they never replenish what we faithfully give out. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, and truly on an entirely different plane, we have our Father who is patient and loving. He is also not satisfied with half-hearted servitude. He is a master who, is indeed, who does indeed demand our full commitment, our whole heart, our bodies, our affections, our time, and our souls, but for entirely different reasons and with entirely different results. 
Instead of giving out more than we have, we give a little, and he lavishes blessings and replenishment continually so that we can never even try to give gift for gift or service for service. John 8, 34 through 36 says, Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, then you are free indeed. So what does this have to do with investing in people? Well, everything. Everyone is marked by the branding of the master that they serve. If, if sin is my master, then that's what's going to be noticed about me. But because you've got to serve somebody. <laughs> and if I'm a slave to sin, then I will obey the rules that those sins tell me to follow. The truth is that regardless of the fact that we do indeed have free will, we are also beings who were created to worship. So while we have the free will to choose where that worship will fall and where it's going to be placed, we don't really have a choice as to whether or not to worship at all. It's in the fabric of who we are. It's in our physical and spiritual DNA, and it's woven into everything that makes up a human being, body, mind, and spirit. So when I think of worship and investing in people, my main focus, it's not even close to getting up on this stage and singing my heart out every week, which I absolutely love to do. Because that was something that God built into me that's specific to who he wants me to be. But worship is universal to every human being. When I think of investing in people regarding worship, it's about living a life that shows the branding of my Savior, who is my humble and generous master. It's about the actions that I take, the words that I speak, and the very ponderings of my heart being things that bring him glory and that show others what it looks, looks like to serve a master who you can't outgive. To be a slave to love itself, a slave to the one who doesn't give temporary pleasure, but to the one who actually is joy, the one who is peace, the one who is completion and wholeness. So I want to invest in people by overflowing with all that my master gives me so that I become absolutely contagious with worship. If you're around me, you're going to catch what I've got. <laughs> and that's the currency that I want to invest into every heart that I encounter. So let's invest in people by showing them what slavery to Jesus looks like. Yes, Miss Susan's throwing a big old party for us, so uh, I'm speaking on behalf of the of the River Kids. I want to talk about investing in the littlest of lambs who need perhaps more investment in these days than maybe anybody else. Jesus loved children. In Matthew 18, verses 1 through 5, we read of one interaction and teaching of Jesus about children. Verse, 18, uh, verse 1 and 18, uh, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Kind of sound like kids anyway. Uh, he called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child 
is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. Whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. Jesus liked chilling out with the kiddos, okay, Uh, despite his busy schedule. You know, the first five years of a child's life uh, are probably the most formative years. And then between ages 5 and 12, they are forming habits, seeking relationships, friends outside the family. They're exposed to an overwhelming earthly worldview that is quite opposite our biblical worldview. They face temptations of all sorts. And they're drawn to the influence of media, of those friends, of teachers, and others outside the family. During these years, they are building their identity. And we hope that they find their identity in Christ and not in a godless world. But more than just hoping that they find their identity in Christ, we here at Living Waters want to assist the parents, grandparents, and guardians in leading the little lambs to a relationship with the living Jesus. We want to invest in the souls of your precious young ones and lead them to a lasting, loving relationship that would usher each of them on a heavenly course. Now, that little bit of time that uh, we have the River Kids and that we interact with them in our, uh, on a Sunday morning, it's only a small portion of raising of these little ones. Right? We can invest our time, our talents, and creativity, and perhaps light a spark in the short time with them. We take time to pray for them. We take time to pray with them. We teach Bible truths such as giving thanks, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, being obedient, listening and praying to God and putting their trust in Jesus. We invest in their lives with worship songs. We pray for others, for kids' particular requests, like for healing boo-boos, for the resurrection of dead pets, the protection from bullies in school, all sorts of surprising requests. And we pray for you, parents. We, as caring church members, want to invest in young parents. In today's world, young parents are struggling as they are bombarded with uh, a worldly ideology and non-biblical parenting information. I encourage you, Living Waters Church, to make friends with young families. Don't be afraid to seek them out. Invite them over for a meal or for dessert. Take them out for ice cream. And spend time developing a relationship with them. Invest your relationship with Jesus with them as they invest in their children. Invest your time. Invest your prayers. Pray for uh, their health, for their well-being. Pray for obedience. Invest your relationship with Jesus. Did I mention that Jesus loved the children? Invest the biblical truths and the biblical worldview that we know to the little ones. Parents, obviously the larger investment comes from you, 
but there is help to invest wisely. Living Waters Church is abandoned to God and compassionate to people, compassionate to you and your children. And finally, not everyone is called to teach, and certainly not everyone is called to teach children, but if you are perhaps nudged by the Holy Spirit to volunteer with the River Kids Department, I encourage you to join us. Just putting that out there. Thank you. I kind of want to use his hat to preach my sermon now. I got everybody's attention. Anyway, my name's John. I'm the student pastor here at Rooted Student Ministries. And by the way, I just wanted to take a second to recognize how many students and children we've had in the house. Can we put our hands together for a church that is packed full of students? That encouraged me this morning, and hopefully it encourages the rest of us as well. I want to jump right into God's Word, and this is actually our theme verse for Rooted Student Ministries. It's Psalm chapter 1, verse 3. It says, they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. I think that's a pretty encouraging scripture. You know that our students need to be rooted in God, rooted in who he is. But there's something else I want to point your attention to in the book of Psalm. Turn to Psalm 92, verse 13. It says, they are planted In the house of the Lord, they flourish in the courts of our God. John just talked about this a little bit here, but I do want to reiterate it, that the world, the flesh, and the devil are full-time attacking our students. Culture, pop culture, the things that are going on in the world are not halfway doing this. It's not their side gig. They are 100% focused on trying to ruin a generation. How's that for encouragement this morning? Does that just make you have warm and fuzzies in your heart right now? Well, no, it shouldn't actually because it should cause us to realize that this is a serious thing that we need to be active and and very intentional about combating. And so I want to share a story with you that took place in my life um, a few years ago. There was, um, at the previous youth group that I was leading, um, there was a youth conference that we went to consistently called Warrior Fest. And so it was pretty neat. We would take our students out there, and there were a lot of cool things that had happened at that conference. But one of the cool things that happened was there was a student that I brought, and during his time at that conference, he didn't say a word. Okay, nothing, no response. People were praying, people were were preaching, there was music and worship, and he didn't say anything. But when we got back, he requested to have a meeting with me. And so I remember thinking, I don't really know what he wants to talk about. And I do know some other things about this guy. Um, He had struggled with gender confusion and sexuality confusion. He was an atheist. He had lost his father uh, at a very young age. And because of that fatherlessness, it kind of encouraged those other struggles in his life. And he had this brokenness in his heart. And so we went to Culver's together. It's one of my favorite burger restaurants, Culver's. I don't really eat it much because I have to eat too healthy nowadays. But it was pretty good back in the day when I could eat it. And I went with this student. I went with Daniel. 
And he told me, and I want you to hear this, he said, I saw what God had done in the lives of those students who were giving their testimonies at the conference. And I thought, if he can do it for them, that must mean that he's real. And he started believing that God could do something with his life. That's encouraging to me. Does that kind of fire you up to let you know? That God can do things in a student ministry so impactful and so clear to other people that they start giving their lives to Christ as well. How many would like to see rooted student ministries here at Living Waters Church invest in people so much that our students have a life-changing encounter with God that changes this entire county, this community? Would you like to see that? Can you put your hands together if you believe God can do it today? I believe he can do it. I believe that he can change the lives of our students so profoundly that the lives of this entire region start to be changed because they see what God's doing here. So with that being said, why invest in our students? Well, we invest in them because we know they need to be rooted in God's house, God's presence, and God's word. But second, I want to ask you a question. How can you be a part of of the investments that we're putting into our students. Well, I'll tell you really quickly, we meet at 6.30 every Wednesday night over in the Annex. We would love for you to come and, you know, you can talk to me or you can talk to uh, Nathan or Callie or Rita or Jen, and we can give you guys some info about how you could be a part of the team. But even if you don't think you could help us out on a 6.30 uh, event every Wednesday, you can help us by praying. You could help us by donating snacks. You guys know we go through snacks and chips and drinks like it's going out of style. So if you wanted to help us with that, that'd be amazing. Special events with G-Link. We're going to be talking about that here soon and being able to really connect um, to uh, the generations through prayer. And so any of those things, if your heart is moving you to, to help us out, then you can come see me or one of the amazing leaders. We would love to plug you in. God is rooting our students, and I'm excited to see it happen. Are you excited this morning? Can you put your hands together if you know that God is moving in this generation in Jesus' name? That was good. <laughs> yes. How do we invest in the care of others? I believe Jesus himself was our example for that. And he said in Matthew twenty twenty eight, the son of man did not come to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And I believe that every one of us here at Living Waters and those that are there I believe we have been called to some form of pastoral care, some form of strengthening, giving, encouraging, restoring, refreshing, many, many ways in the practical ways, taking someone to the hospital, taking them to the doctor. Those are things that practically, and I believe that we are all called to do this. I also believe that there's three ways Many, many, many ways, but three ways I felt like I've just come to my heart of ministering to others. The very first one, pray. Pray. I believe the greatest gift that you can give somebody, myself, is to say, I'm praying for you. And there's something that happens. Not only are you praying for them, but Jesus and the Holy Spirit is praying with you and for them. Another way, listen well. Sometimes, and I have trouble sometimes doing this because I, I, I want to I talk. But, I, but there's a gift 
in listening. I, Pastor Stephen, I, I really feel like you have that gift. I've been with him, and, and he'll just sit back there and ponder. It's a great gift. We can ask that God would increase that in us. A big, huge one for me, ministry of presence. Being there, loving that individual, and just sitting with them. Not saying a lot, but just sitting with them. Letting them know that you care. Don't try to fix them. Don't try to fix them. Just be there. There is something that is huge in that part of just sitting with them and just, again, just listening and sitting and loving them and praying for them. Uh, There are many, many things I see at Living Waters that you all are doing this. I'm telling you, you are are doing well. You really, really are. And I'm just going to highlight just a couple of them that I see and have seen. The life groups. Um, Linda Razor's life group. They have started a ministry of love cards of just those that are hurting or that somebody's lost to somebody. They are getting together and sending love cards. That to me is huge, that gift of love. Another one I see is John and Sylvia's life groups. Uh, they have gone outside of hospitals. They've gone outside of doors. They, they came actually when my mama was in, uh, with us when COVID and came up there and just loved us, brought little mama out there, and they just, she, they just loved them. They do that so well. And recently one that's very close to our hearts is they went to Doyle and Malin Daniel. Uh, Doyle had his 90th birthday, and he didn't know anything about it. Everybody pulled up. They had the cider, the donuts, and the balloons. And just loved them. And I remember Miss Malin sitting there and just, uh, she was just absolutely just enthralled. And I want to, and I'm going to highlight Miss Malin, our sweet, sweet Miss Malin. She would sit out here. I know you, if you all came in this front, she would sit out here with our other ladies. And she told me, she said, what I do is I watch for those that come in that I sense have an extra need. There's something in their life that they have an extra need. And she goes, and, and, and one of those has been my granddaughter with all five of her kids. And she has just taken Brittany and just loved her well. And um, I've seen that. And I know there's others that do that. I want to encourage us. We need some more Malins. We need some more Malins. I, really, I just, again, thank you for that so much. And you might ask, how can I invest in others? How can I grow in the care of others? Simply ask him. Just ask Jesus, I want to have your heart. Would you come and just give me your heart for other people? Because all of us, I know we've got an area of growth in here. This come be Jesus. And uh, in Matthew 25, there's going to be an invitation. This is, to me, a sobering invitation that's going to be given to us. It says that all the nations will be gathered before the Son of Man, Jesus. And like a shepherd who separates the sheep from the goats... The sheep will be put on the right, and he will say to them, You have a special place in my Father's heart. Come, come, experience the full inheritance of the kingdom realm that has been destined for you before the foundation of the world. And those that heard this said, When did we see you? I mean, when did this happen? And he says, Jesus said, When you saw me hungry, you fed me. When you found me thirsty, you gave me a drink. When I had no place to stay, you invited me in. When I was poorly clothed, you covered me. 
When I was sick, you tenderly cared for me. And when I was in prison, you visited me. And then he's going to say, when you cared for them, you, when you cared for one of the least important of these, my little ones, my true brothers and sisters, you demonstrated love for me. You did it to me. That, to me, is something God's putting in our hearts that we want to grow in. And there's a scripture I, I, I put, uh, Philippians 2.13. It says, God will continually revitalize you implanting within you the passion to do what pleases him. Another translation is God in you that gives you the want to. He gives you the want to. And he will give you the ability to do that. I just, we love you so much. And you know what I'd like to do, Stephen? I want us to all stand. And I know you're coming on up here. I want us to stand. And I want us to pray, uh, clap and praise the Lord. We could not do what we're doing if it was not for you. Why invest in people or why invest in a person through relational discipleship? Because I believe that God is sending our harvest to other church families. Wow, Pastor, did you just say that's kind of harsh. Did you really say that, that, that you believe that God is sending our harvest to other church families? What do I mean by harvest? I'm talking about people who are seeking for spiritual answers. They, they're seeking and maybe in different uh, religions, but they're seeking and, and they come and we meet them. It could be someone who um, uh, uh, is just brand new in the Lord. They prayed a salvation prayer out there and now uh, they've just now visiting a church for the first time. Or it could be someone that's been far away for years from the Lord. They have, they just out of their lifestyle choices, they've just been far away from God and far away from a church family, and they're lonely and isolated. I was at a prayer meeting recently here at Living Waters just a few months ago, and, and I love prayer meetings. And one of the ladies been here for many years is sharing really a praise report that a relative of hers uh, had given his life to Christ recently. And I was excited, and I said, well, uh, and, I, and so I, I spoke up and I said, well, listen, uh, would he be interested in our new men's Bible study that's meeting on Wednesday morning? And she quickly said, oh, no, uh, he wouldn't be ready for a, one of those deep living waters Bible studies. And my heart sank because I, I responded, well, we designed this particular, this new Bible study to be good for our various levels of people, but to be sure we're able to help those who are putting down foundation stones in their new relationship with Christ. As our conversation went on, she said, well, I've spoken to a couple of men in the church, and they're going to contact him and kind of get a one-on-one. And so that was actually probably the best arrangement for him. And so that's a, that's a great way to proceed. But I want everyone to know we want to we have Bible studies at Living Waters. We're going to dig into this in the one-on-one ministry and, and the small group Bible studies that says welcome to a 
to the harvest to a new person in Christ, someone with spiritual questions. How does Jesus view the harvest? He tells us real clearly in Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 36. When he saw the crowds, that's Jesus, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When we look at groups of people, I ask you, I ask myself honestly, do I look at groups of people with the compassion of Jesus? Harassed, broken, weary, uh, uh, torn apart, having confusion in the life where I just, uh, you know, pass over crowds of people at the stores and on TV at a ball game. Lord Jesus, we want to see people with your compassion. Amen to that. Matthew 9, verse 37 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He said the harvest is plentiful, it's bountiful, it's all over, it's all around us. Even we may not feel that way, it, it, it feels so dark out there, it feels so, and yes, it is dark, but the harvest is still plentiful. Bill Johnson said this about this verse. He said that, the harvest is only as large as the number of workers. And that makes sense for a farmer, right? He has a big harvest. He's got a big harvest team. You have a few workers. You, you can only handle a little bit of harvest. Jesus goes on to says, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Living waters, do you want to be on God's harvest team? Notice how he directed us in prayer. He said, it's not that you're praying for the harvest. It's plentiful, it's bountiful, it's ready. He's praying for us. Pray for us, the workers that will be sent out. Yes, Lord, we pray that right now. We pray for us that we will be sent out that we would be ready, that we would provide and be a part of that harvest team. And, 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 and really, I'm, I'm giving you some, some teases here about uh, after the fast in January, we're going to get into this deep, the one-on-one ministry, the small group ministry, the way to be a part of the harvest team in prayer and intercession. So I'm giving you some heads up. This is our vision for 2022. It's advancing the kingdom of God by making disciples. Living Waters. Living Waters family, will you join me and be on a harvest team for Jesus Christ in his harvest field? Amen? All right. Thank you. So I'm going to talk to you today about service and about where can God use you in the area of foreign missions. So you may not know it about Living Waters, but we have ties to Israel, Honduras, Taiwan, and Thailand through different ministries that are tied to our church. And you may not know that we have people that were part of this church, have been part of this church, or are currently part of this church that are serving and have served in these nations. So my family has had the honor to serve in many ways to the people of Honduras and now through Thailand uh, with Sparrow Missions. God has given us as a family the privilege 
to give of our time, talent, and treasure. My son Tyler, he developed just such a heart for missions on many of these trips that now he currently works for a missions organization in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Another son of mine, Andrew, he has a heart to serve in ministry, and now he works for another organization in Colorado Springs that is focused on the family. Another son of ours, David and Beth, just as of October, had the opportunity to go serve the people of Honduras. And I say this partly comes from our years as a family of being part of the privilege that we had of being allowed to serve the people of Honduras. It developed that heart in our family to then give back in other ways. Now, you may say, well, you know, I can't do that. I can't go to other nations. I can't travel around the world. Well, that's okay. There's other ways that you can be part of what God is doing. You can sponsor a child in one of these nations. You can sponsor someone else that's getting ready to go on a missions trip or a trip. And most importantly, you can spend time praying for people as they get ready to go on these missions trips. That God will use them, open doors for them, give them opportunities to then serve the people in these nations that I mentioned. For Honduras, we have a a missions trip that's going to come up next summer in 2023. You can go and be part of that to serve, love, and encourage the people of Honduras. Or you can partner with someone that's going on that trip and be praying for them daily before during, and after they've gone on that missions trip. You can be part of what we do with Israel, where you can give to our foreign missions fund. You can support the the Ellard family, who are ambassadors for Israel. Martin and Sharon Mallory, who counsel and equip leaders in Israel and throughout the Middle East. Or even Tom and Eloise O'Neill, who are partnering with Operation Tarshish. In Thailand, we have the Ross family, who... uh, Justin Ross was part of uh, us here at our church many years ago as a young man. And they're in Thailand where they are focusing on unreached people groups inside of the 1040 window. People that have not been reached with the gospel substantially after as many years as you would think. To Taiwan, the Ellis family there, you can support them. All of these different ministries are ways that you can either give of your time, talent, treasure, and prayers to support these ministries. And I want to say just a special thing about Living Waters Church in Israel. At Living Waters Church, we seek to spread the heart of God to the Jewish people. That is not going to change. It is going to stay part of us as a church. Our vision is to bless Israel and point Jewish people to the Messiah. We stand with Israel, and that's not going to change. I'm reminded of the verse from Numbers 6.24 that says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. That word blessing ties directly to service to others. Many times we think of blessing or serving of how it benefits us, but that verse specifically instructs us about how we can bless others, how we can serve others, how we can give to others. So the next time that maybe you think, well, I've served too long, I can't go, it's too far, maybe if I just send a check, that'll be enough, pray and ask God, how can I serve in these areas of missions overseas? How can I pray for someone that's going? How can I myself go? Or if you don't feel like you can go, how can you help 
one of the young men or women in our student ministry. Encourage them to go. Support them financially. And most importantly, be praying for them, encouraging them before, during, and after they go and serve somewhere. Because we have a heritage that is not going to go away of many people from our ministry that have gone and have served in these ministries and are currently serving around the world. That's not going to stop. And we want Living Waters to be encouraged and charged as God is spreading the gospel around the world. I love reading the gospel accounts of stories how Jesus would train the disciples. And I love especially when they just didn't get it. It was a little tough because it makes me feel better about the fact that sometimes I just don't get it. And I don't understand some of the things he's asking of me. But Jesus exampled for us the marvelous practice of leadership development. He knew that his time of ministry on this earth was going to be short. And as the redeemer of the world, he would need to establish a kingdom that the gates of hell would not prevail against. He would have to develop faithful men who would carry on with his work after he ascended back to the Father. Jesus taught the disciples to take responsibility to influence people for the kingdom of God. They advanced his mission, and they were his first disciples, the the spiritual leaders that carried a vision more significant than their own. This particular mission of the church has never changed, and it never will. We are responsible to call, equip, and empower leaders to advance God's purposes. Ephesians 4, 11-12 says, And he himself gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So here are the steps Jesus took to develop his 12 disciples and the same steps we seek to develop you, uh, the congregation of Living Waters Church. First, he issued the call. He prayed and he asked the Father, who should be on the team? Whom shall I call? The Bible says that in Luke 12 that he stayed up all night praying about who to call. As leaders, we would never ask any of you to step into a discipleship, servanthood, or leadership role without praying and seeking the mind of God. To not seek God first on your behalf would be a misappropriation of our position as leaders and elders. I heard a story about a young woman who was approached by her pastor asking her to become the next worship leader in their church. Her first response was, no, pastor, I'm just a backup singer. I could never lead worship for our congregation. But the pastor insisted that he believed God had put his anointing on her and she should consider it. After some time, she trusted her pastor's leadership and she stepped into the role of worship leader. And the rest is history. That woman's name is Darlene Check. And she was probably one of the top five influential worship leaders of the latter part of the 20th century. 
Hillsong worship exploded onto the scene and is still impacting the world today because of Darlene's gifts and leadership. My point is this. It is my hope that all of you will know God's call, whether it be through hearing him call you personally or allowing God to call you through a pastor or another leader. But if a pastor has a good track record of hearing the Lord, if he's been discipling people well, if he's placing people in service and leadership positions where they flourish, why wouldn't you say, as Darlene Check said, okay, if my pastor believes I'm the one to do this, if I'm the choice, I'm willing to give it a go. I'm willing to answer the call. Secondly, Jesus did the equipping. Jesus taught his disciples by having one-on-one relationships, one-on-one time with them. They watched him first, and then they ministered alongside him. And I can confidently say that he never asked them to do anything that he didn't already train them and equip them to do. We are committed here to equipping you for the work of the ministry. Here at Living Waters Church, God's latest trophy of equipping one of the saints is Nani Lopez. We spent several sessions with Nani, training her to run the sound system for our worship services. Now, let me be clear. I didn't ask Nani to this role. She acted on what the Spirit of the Lord was touching, nudging her to do. But Nani is now capable of sitting at that big console by herself and serving Jesus by running a quality sound mix for our worship services. So I put it in my notes, and I'm going to ask you to do it again. Give Nani an applause of encouragement right now. We will equip you for the work of the ministry that, to which you are called. And thirdly, Jesus did to the disciples, he empowered them. It's our delight to release you to go do the thing you've been called to do. Larry Southard is now training two new altar team members and equipping them to serve you, our congregation. He then will release them to serve with uh, this congregation by empowering them to step up at the end of the service and pray with anyone who responds at altar ministry time. And listen, you can come to them with confidence knowing they have been equipped and now empowered to the work of that ministry. So there you have it. Our heart is to find a place for you to serve and to flourish, even to become a leader. You must first answer the call. Then we will equip you with tools and skills and training and spiritual guidance and more to help you serve confidently in whatever that role is. We will empower you to step out in such a way that you serve and lead with joy, confidence, and skill. You will know that you're pleasing the Lord, not out of a mandated obedience, but out of love and devotion that comes from his grace within you. It sounds very over-spiritualized when I say the Lord, but that really is... That really is the answer. We we began praying uh, about where the Lord wanted us to to plant our lives and plant our family. And every time I prayed about it, 
Living Waters came to mind. I'd never been to this church. Uh, Pastor Stephen and uh, our paths had crossed very, very um, lightly. I mean, we would know each other, you know, at the grocery store, but that was about it. Uh, never heard him preach. Uh, didn't know a thing about the church. And yet every time I prayed about it, Living Waters came to mind. I looked at Kayla one day and I said, uh, hey, what do you think about going to Living Waters? You know, and I think your response was living who, you know, living what, where, you know, and uh, yeah, but uh, so we came here uh, having no idea what to expect, just knowing every time that I prayed about it, the Lord laid this church uh, on my heart. And uh, so, so we came. The growth is exciting, seeing the way that the, that the church is so well paved for growth and the, and the, the inspiration and the, uh, and the forward looking that the church has to say, this is where we want to be, this is what we want to do, this is who we want to reach. Uh, seeing the clear mission that the church has in the community and where, they're, where it's headed. Well, I think, I think Living Waters Church is the best kept secret in Shelbyville. Uh, this church is primed for growth. Uh, this church is, has a heart to reach people. And, uh, and, and I truly believe uh, that, that the best days of Living Waters Church are ahead of us. Uh, I think that, that the heart and the vision that we have as a church, I think it's just a matter of time until the Lord gives us a harvest. And I believe that revival is ahead of us. And, uh, and we're just anxious just to be able to be a part of that, uh, whatever that looks like. Uh, we're just excited to be a part of where God is moving. And we just, we just want to hitch our wagon to, to that, uh, of where God is moving and, and whatever that looks like for us to, uh, to serve in that, uh, we want to do that. No, I just say it's that service that there are so many ways, so many, so many ways to plug in. Whether that's I mean, we've already been doing some, some sound and some music, and some looking forward to more relationships, um, discipleship, and growth opportunities have been great. So we just look look forward to continuing in those in those things. All right, all right. Team, come on up here. I want you to line up around me, uh, ministerial team. We want to say a blessing over you right now. It says in Ephesians that when we're saved, that God has created us for good works in Christ Jesus. We're not saved by our works, but He creates us in a way that only us, we, only you can actually fulfill that gift and that purpose in a specific way. And that's what we believe God is wanting to release in your lives and your family. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, the ministerial staff here at Living Waters, we release those gifts over this body of Christ right here. Those who we see now and those that are coming, we release them into their callings. We release them into their giftings. Lord, we partner together 
in training and, and equip them and then they inspire us and we get trained together. Father, we partner with them, Lord God, in expanding in your kingdom, Lord God. Father, each one is important. Each gift, each talent, each skill, each, each desire and passion for you is important in your sight. You gave that to them. It's a seed, Lord, to fulfill in their lives. And so, Lord God, we release that out into their lives and that we, in the community, into the, in the nation, into the world, Lord God, into other nations, and into this family and our neighborhoods right here. Lord Jesus, you be glorified through us as we say yes to you and invest in people and release our gifts for your glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you. You guys may be seated. Thank you so much. <clears throat> Someone might say, well, how do, you, how do you start using your gifts? How do you live in the dreams that God has given you? Well, the first dream, the first dream is the dream of relationship with Jesus Christ. That all men, all, all women were all created with this desire to have a love relationship with God. And Jesus is that open door, that pathway to the Father. And so if, if you're here today, if you're online and watching, and you don't have a relationship with God Almighty through Jesus. You might have knowledge about Him. You might go to church. You might even, you know, read about this or that, talk about But if you don't, this is a great day. This is a great moment to begin your dreams with God, that first one, with the relationship with Christ. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer of salvation. I'm going to ask everyone to join me and say this prayer together. Dear Lord Jesus, I don't want to be far from you anymore. I turn away from my sin and I turn towards you. I ask you to come into my heart. I don't want to have just a head knowledge about you. I want you to be real in my heart. I believe that you died on the cross and rose from the, gra from the grave for me. I'm your child now. I'm your son. I'm your daughter now. Now and forever. If you prayed that prayer to come back to God, you're part of the harvest that he is, is going after all over the world. Please talk to a friend.